Support for WRFA is brought to you in part by the United Ways of Chautauqua County. United Way is a nonprofit organization that mobilizes the community to help every person and family improve their lives. Donations to the United Way stay 100% locally in our community and get invested in more than 40 community-based programs. These programs help students achieve academic success, families to be self-sufficient and financially stable, and vulnerable households to get their basic and emergency needs met. The United Ways of Chautauqua County, proud supporters of community radio in Jamestown, New York. To learn more, visit uascc.org or call 716-483-1561. Jamestown Mayor Eddie Sunquist visited the WRFA studios for his monthly chat, and we covered a wide variety of topics. We welcome Jamestown Mayor Eddie Sunquist to the WRFA studios today for our monthly chat. After several months of discussion and negotiations, Jamestown City Council approved in May lifting the hiring freeze to hire eight new firefighters that will be funded with a $1.8 million federal grant. So what is your reaction to getting this done? Well, we're very excited to see that the City Council has finally lifted the hiring freeze to hire eight new firefighters for the City of Jamestown. Those same firefighters are also going to be EMS certified, EMT certified, so they'll be able to provide ambulance service care uh, as well as care on the scene. So we're, it's a wonderful thing for the city to be able to not only increase our fire protection and for the first time in decades be able to open up every single firehouse uh, in the city of Jamestown, uh, but also to uh, potentially run a second ambulance service in the city, something that is sorely needed and something we've been trying to figure out since I first took over office as mayor in the city of Jamestown. Mm-hmm. The Firefighters Union um, has to or had to agree to terms that were passed in the resolution by city council before this can go forward do you have you communicated with them about the timeline about when that's going to happen and then i believe it comes back to council then we have yes so the agreement that the city council or the stipulations the city council put together actually came from an original agreement with the union Uh, the union and the administration did agree to those terms uh, prior Uh, however the city council uh, wanted an outside firm to draft that agreement and uh, to uh, to ratify that separately from the resolution Uh, so they're really just asking us to check off all the boxes uh, of something that we've already agreed to and they'd like to have a a third set of eyes uh, take a look at any agreement for the union Uh, we've already been in contact with uh, another firm that both the union and uh, the administration agree to work with and so we're hoping to get that squared away in the next uh, the next week or two so can do you have to wait till that's all done before you can go forward with the hiring? Uh, you know, we've uh, we've started the canvas process. That actually takes uh, quite a period of time. Uh, so by the time we actually make the final uh, the final pull to hire or the you know, sign the dotted line, uh, we'll probably have the agreement uh, squared away and ratified by by all the parties. The ability for the city to bring in enough revenue, whether it was from the ambulances or get future grant funds, is part of why I think council members took so long to vote on this resolution. So is there any sense for what we're looking at right now financially? Well, we know that the total cost, we received $1.8 million from the federal government. That covers three years of the eight firefighters. Uh, So there's some additional costs that includes new turnout gear, air packs, those types of things. Uh, So you're looking at about uh, a little over $2 million 
uh, total cost for that three years. So there is a bit of a gap. Uh, however, we do know that and anticipate that we'll make up a lot of that in ambulance revenue funds. Uh, so to give you an example, uh, last year alone, the city brought in around $300,000 on one ambulance uh, since we just started billing for ambulance service a couple years back. Uh, so by adding a second ambulance and more individuals to run it, we're hoping to not have the same amount, right? Because you're, you're not necessarily going to see the same amount of calls, uh, but at least address the over 468 calls of outside ambulance or outside fire departments that are coming into the city uh, that are, uh, that are uh, taking some of those ambulance calls. So moving along, something fire related, but totally different, uh, is there's this case against Allen Street Development LLC that is continuing its slow march through housing court. This we're referring to the property at 1061 Allen Street that uh, unfortunately had a major fire back in November, 2022. Uh, what are, where are things with this case right now? And what's the city's goal right at this point? Well, the, the Crawford Furniture Fire seems to be a never-ending thing uh, for the city. Uh, there's, a, there's a couple things that we that we'll note. First and foremost, the city has incurred a tremendous amount of funds to do an emergency demolition of that property in order to stop the fire, to extinguish, to fully extinguish the fire. Uh, so we're, we're seeking uh, damages uh, for that. Right to be able to pay that, those are it's well over a hundred thousand dollars that we had to incur as as part of our our normal uh, operations here for the emergency. Uh, but there's uh, there's also the need to figure out uh, you know who's going to pay for it. Uh, the 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 property itself is owned by an LLC. It was purchased at a tax auction, uh, but we know who that LLC owner is. Uh, and we are attempting to try to hold him personally liable. Uh, when he could have cleaned this property up for about $200,000 and we would have been able to move forward, dem demolished part of the building. Instead, we now have a, a cleanup cost of the building. Uh, we're looking at anywhere between four and $5 million to remediate the entire cost of that property. Uh, so we're, we're trying to pursue every avenue we can in order to uh, hold those individuals accountable for not securing the building and uh, not doing what they needed to do when we told them they needed to do it. That four to five million dollars, that's, that's a new figure because originally we had heard it was going to be at least a million dollars. And that was shocking, even when at first that information came out, I think it was at a housing committee meeting. So was there some new findings and in terms of the investigation around this property that raised that amount up? Yeah, we're actively working with the EPA in order to uh, declare that fund a Superfund site and uh, provide cleanup. Uh, as you and your listeners probably know, you covered uh, the press conference we have with uh, Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, who has been assisting us in order to ensure that that property uh, does not fall back on the taxpayers here in the city of Jamestown. And by that, I mean the cost of cleanup. Uh, so some of the preliminary estimates coming from the EPA are looking at a, a, a much larger cost uh, in order to uh, clean up and remediate that site. Is there money from the federal government? That is that is that some of that larger amount of money that the four to five million? Is that something that the government under a super fund would say, okay, we can take this over and it won't fall to the city of Jamestown to have to pay? Potentially. We're working through that process now uh, and we're we're hopeful that at the end of that process that the city will uh, the city will be able to receive funding to just complete that project or that the EPA will take over that project and uh, will provide that funding and remediation of that site, which they have done in other localities. Mm -hmm. Going back to uh, the case with the owner and trying to determine if 
um, Mr. Uh, Richard uh, Brzeziniak or, or the LLC are the ones responsible for the, the damages here. Um, you had mentioned that that there was a cost of like $200,000 for him to, to clean up the site and then the city could have gone in and done a demolition. Um, was there, was that cleanup that he had to do necessary in order for the city to go in? Or I, I, I'm trying to, it's just for someone who maybe is listening and doesn't understand how the whole process works. Yeah, when we identified this property as a potential hazard, uh, we pre presented a few options to the owner. And part of that was to uh, clean up uh, the various chemicals within the building, uh, demolish a portion of the building and secure it. Uh, that total cost would have been around $200,000 to $250,000 uh, to demolish part of it, secure the building, uh, and to prevent any you know potential issues with it. Uh, since uh, none of that occurred, except for some cleanup of the chemicals, uh, which we, he was forced to do once we brought in the EPA, uh, the Federal Environmental Protection Agency, uh, we've now seen the building go up in flames. And because of that, we're looking at a very large uh, remediation as well as a, a very high bill just for the emergency demolition of itself to put out the fire. So, you know, you're looking at multi-million dollars to clean up the site versus the 250000 you could have spent just to secure it and demolish uh, the worst part of the building. Is there anything in, the, in state or federal law that doesn't allow a city to go in and initiate the cleanup itself? Well, I guess I'm not quite sure what you're what you're trying yeah. to say. There. Well, I'm thinking it's like you know, obviously the owner is or whoever the owner may be. And in this case, they had an amount of chemicals that had to be cleaned up. EPA kind of their presence encouraged him to clean up some of it. But is there at any point in uh, ownership of a property where? a government can come in and say, we're going to take care of this because you're not doing your job. There is a way to do that. It does require that the government uh, actually go and get a court order in order to do that. But then they have to expend their own funds in order to, to, to make that cleanup. So the city would have to expend its funds to do the demolition, to do the cleanup, and then would have to try to levy the tax bill. Uh, but in this case, in particular, that property has been transferred onto the tax auction multiple times. So the city would probably never recover those funds if, we're, if it were to do it itself. And so this is something that the city had never had gone down that avenue then? No, we had, we had not gone that avenue before, but we had some incredible foresight from our development director, Crystal Sertic, who proactively reached out to the EPA and our other state and federal partners and said, hey, let's get them in there. Let's try to hold this guy accountable because he was not listening to code enforcement, wasn't listening to fire, wasn't listening to all the people that said, this is a potential hazard. It is a burn hazard. Uh, and now look where we're at. And um, thinking of this project uh, going forward, I think the next time we see uh, both the city and Allen Street Development in Court is on June 30th. So I guess then maybe perhaps at, in July, you and I will talk more about what's happened at that point. More to come, more that's to for come. sure. So we learned at uh, the City Council work session uh, last night that there was uh, $3.9 million has been spent on the Central Garage pro Project on Washington Street so far. And he mentioned that while uh, $2.8 million has been approved for bonding, the actual budget amount for the project was more so because like, it was a comment by a council member and, and DPW or D, uh, public works chair Randy um, Diversa that the project was over budget. But 
If I'm thinking like historically, I mean, you said that the budget amount for the project is more than 3.9 million. And do, do you happen to know, I know I'm asking you less than like probably 14 hours after the meeting. Uh, do you happen to know how much was budgeted for the central garage project? I don't have that number offhand. I apologize. As I had told city council last night, I would try to pull back uh, the original files that came back from 2019. That would have been before I was even mayor. So we've got to go back through and, and take a look at it. But if I remember correctly, uh, just having personally went to city council and uh, observed some of the, the proceedings, uh, the total cost of that building when they were thinking about it was going, it was quite astronomical. They were looking at a new build, a completely new build on Crescent Street. Uh, since that time, we've acquired a different building and went through the process of, of trying to, uh, you know, ret retrofit it. And so overall, I mean, you were looking at probably, a, you know, $5 million cost uh, for that building. And, and I'm throwing that number out there, just kind of comes to my head. But we'll certainly get, get you, get you a, a, a specific number. Um, but last night, there was a comment made that uh, this was over budget. And, and that's not correct <laughs> because uh, we, we knew the costs were going to be high, but they were not going to be as high as the creation of a completely new maintenance building that was uh, upwards of, I think, just under $10 million. So we're still looking at a very uh, low amount of, of funding uh, for this building. We've only spent about uh, $3 million or a little over $3 million. Uh, so we just need to get the additional funding to finish it up. Uh, the majority of the building is actually completed. Now we're just in the final finishing portions of it. Uh, whatever is left, uh, we will bond for as we're actively going through a current bond process. Uh, and we still have a million dollars coming back from New York State. So that will actually reduce uh, the total amount that, that is left on this project. Yeah, so and, and that was one thing that was brought up, and I wasn't sure if that $1 million was a sure thing. But. It is, yep. We've uh, we've uh, submitted the application to the state. Uh, the state is always retroactive, which means that we have to spend all the money first, and then we can ask for it. Uh, so we have spent that money, as as pointed out, and so we're now asking for that, that funding back. And uh, for your memory, your memory is pretty good. So yeah, in 2019, so city council had proved it was a smart city's bond back then. And we were looking through the paperwork and had, assuming nothing had changed with that bond, it, there was around $5 million that they had put in there for the central garage project, but that was for the Crescent Street location. So theoretically, I mean, that, that money still is in that bond and is still available for you guys to pull from. Right. Well, we've actually we've actually closed out that bond because we've gone so many years past it, uh, and so the the project itself, unfortunately, it was a 2019 project with COVID. It stalled for quite a period of time, and then we kind of went it for a different direction. Uh, but you're so we've closed out that bond, uh, and we've actually uh, sent that money back and paid it paid it off. So we just rebond for it, uh, which is absolutely fine, and so we'll rebond for whatever is left for that that project. That's why we, we anticipate that it'll be a, about 1.6 million left uh, to finish off that. Uh, so overall, we're kind of right in line with the $5 million budget that was originally expected for that, for that facility. Okay, so that, that makes sense. Marie Karuba, Council Member Marie Karuba, brought up the American Rescue Plan. Funds that remained about whether or not those could be used. So say for some reason Council says, we don't want to go bond again, we just want to use what is left over of the uh, ARPA money to pay for that. So then when the state gives you that $1 million after everything else, could that money then be rededicated for some other purpose? The $1 million is a reimbursement for the project uh, on the, the facility that we've already worked on. So we do have to apply that uh, towards it. 
However, you are correct, and this is a conversation that I had, had said to City Council, which is you have to eventually make the decision of whether you want to take the approximately 1.7 million that's left and apply it towards the bond that we're currently looking at, or use it for other projects. Uh, doesn't matter to me. We still need to spend it either way and allocate that by 2024, whether we allocate it to various uh, roofing projects and other uh, you know, miscellaneous building projects within the city. That's a very smart thing to do, very prudent thing to do. Uh, or if we have other projects, uh, that's completely fine. Uh, but ultimately, that's up to the city council and whether they want to do that and allocate that funding. Mm-hmm. And you had, uh, we talked about this, uh, I think, last month, or maybe it was April. Time time goes very fast around Does. here. Uh, <laughs> so, the, so you had this other new bond proposal. And so so say the council decided to use the ARPA money for something that was on that list, that would then reduce the amount you would have to bond on that list, depending on what it gets they decide they want to bond for. That's correct. The city is in a really interesting position where we have uh, really strong borrowing power right this moment, and our interest rates are fairly low. Uh, so we're we're in a great position in order to bond for city projects right this moment. Uh, we've also had an increased uh, credit score or credit rating uh, through various bonding agencies, uh, something the city hasn't seen in several decades. So we're financially very strong. And so now would be the time to bond for that, and we have the ability to do so. Okay. Sticking with Public Works, after a traffic snarling Friday last week, the state contractors have finally paved Washington Street. So what's next for that project? Well, we're really excited that it's almost done. <laughs> there's still there's still some uh, various entryways and curbing that needs to be completed. Uh, we'll also start to see the creation of the new lines uh, being painted. Uh, there's also going to be dedicated bike lanes on Washington Street and bike turning lanes. So we'll see those start to appear uh, shortly. But more importantly, we want to just encourage folks to understand that there is going to be a change in the traffic pattern on Washington Street. And that is intentional. It's intentional to slow down the traffic uh, down down that street. So you'll start to see a reduction in lanes. You'll start to see more pedestrian usage. Uh, so we've got to just you know complete all of those checklists of items. Uh, we still need to work with the state with some work that they have done that we are not happy with. Uh, there's some uh, there's some sidewalk repair that they have done that is that is just unacceptable in our eyes. So we'll be working with the state to try to complete that in their contractor. Uh, but we're almost there, and I think it'll be great when this uh, traffic nightmare is over. Indeed. And uh, I, I remember Director of Development Crystal Surtick mentioning that it was hopefully that she had hoped to do some maybe even complete streets initiatives around where the entrance to Jackson Taylor Park is. Is that something that's still in the works uh, as part of this street reconstruction project? Well, we're still trying to ensure that there is appropriate signage in that area in order to get to Jackson Taylor. Uh, And so we'll continue to work through that and try to figure out what's going to go there. Uh, I think the concern right now is just to get the, the basic things completed. Uh, and then, as you uh, your listeners may remember, the city was awarded a Complete Streets grant from the federal government. We're one of only 500-some municipalities across the state to do so. And so that'll target areas like parks and school zones uh, where we, we may need additional things in those areas. All right. Uh, so I think we're still waiting for the street project list from, for this uh, season. Do you have any timeline for when that we might be seeing that? Well, it's going to be released today. Uh, <laughs> so, 
uh, you know, unfortunately, we were uh, we we typically release it around the first week of June. Uh, and so you are absolutely correct. Uh, it happened to be that some of my staff went on vacation and we didn't get it out. Uh, but we are very excited to be able to release it this week. Uh, we also uh, try to ensure that we have a map and perspective timelines of when those streets are going to occur. But it is going to be a blockbuster summer of different road repairs this year. And I'm, I'm very excited. It's a lot of work for our team to manage those all. But it's going to be great, I think, for the city of Jamestown. Any particular projects that uh, are, no, I should say, not that they're not noteworthy, but is there anything that really sticks out that, you know, forestry reconstructions that people should be aware of or be interested in? Well, I think you're trying to, to spill the beans before I even release the, the, the street list. It's well, a coveted be, list, Julia. To, well, to be fair, this <laughs> won't air until Thursday, and this today is Tuesday, so I, I, I honestly, I mean... I'm not spilling the beans for anybody just yet. <laughs> well, we, uh, we we keep it closely guarded, uh, but we do we the way our process works for streets is that we uh, we speak we look at every single street in the city, we evaluate it, uh, and then we uh, talk to the um, public works uh, committee, and we go through that process. We also ask city council if there's any additional streets that they would like added or removed uh, or changed from that list. Uh, and then we also try to match it up with the amount of funds that we get from the state and that we have on hand as well. Uh, so we're working through that list and it'll be coming out shortly. And uh, we hope that everyone visits the city's website in the next couple days and takes a look to see whether there's streets on it. So one thing I think we can talk about is money. Did we get more money for streets this year than last year? We did. Uh, we did receive an increase in our uh, various aids aid to uh, street repair. So there are there are several pots of money that, that go into this process, uh, but overall the city currently has about three million dollars uh, sitting in terms of rollover aid and then new aid uh, that they are able to use for street repair. Um, we are now starting to say how do we expand that? We've recently found out that we can also utilize that aid as long as we're doing a street to reconstruct uh, sidewalks, curbs, and other things. Something that we hadn't done in the past. Uh, so we're now taking a bit of a different look uh, at streets as we go through it uh, in, in future iterations of, our, of our, our work. And if we're redoing a complete street, how do we also utilize potential funding for sidewalk repair and other improvements on that street? And if, I think this has been a res some resolutions that came forward last month. You've also found out that some of that money can also go toward equipment. That is correct, yes. So we, you could have always used uh, the funding, what was often called CHIPS funding, for equipment, uh, but only certain types of equipment, and they have to have a certain lifespan. Uh, so the, the city didn't often use that, but some communities do. Uh, if there is a, a large need, as you noted, we did ask city council for a, a piece of equipment not too long ago. There's a large need, and we think that it would provide a, a significant help in the work we do. We, we can utilize funding for that. Interesting. So thinking about public works, this kind of brings me to my next topic, which is hiring and uh, just wondering how things are going with the look looking for a new director of public works, a comptroller, and the new ombudsman position. Well, we're no uh, we're no stranger to hiring at this point, and I think most most uh, corporations and companies are are facing the same 
issue, which is we've got a lot of open positions and trying to find the right person uh, for that position can be difficult. Uh, so we continue in terms of the comptroller position, we continue to interview individuals. Uh, we've made some offers. Unfortunately, we've uh, lost some people along the way uh, from those offers, just different things come up. So we're continuing through that process. Uh, in terms of the public works director, uh, we've uh, really just had done a, seen a phenomenal job from Mark Reitzer, uh, who was our former engineer that stepped into the role as Jeff Lehman had uh, retired. Uh, Jeff uh, still comes back in every every uh, once in a while and tries to help us out. He's been wonderful in that regard. Uh, in fact, he'll be coming into the next city council meeting uh, to talk about uh, the fleet maintenance garage and where things are at. He's been helping us manage that project. Uh, but right now we're happy with Mark Reitzer and uh, we'll, uh, we'll continue in that process. So we've kind of held off on the public works director search. Uh, and then the uh, other one you mentioned is the ombudsman. Uh, so we're really excited about that position. Uh, we're working through the applications that we receive now, and hopefully we'll have someone at the end of June to appoint. I uh, learned during the finance committee uh, at the work session last night for councils that there's going to be a resolution entering into a contract of a sort with former public works director Jeff Lehman and then former city comptroller uh, Joe Bolito. Uh, so is, is this just something that has to be formalized because of the help that they've been offering the city? Yeah, we've, we've, we typically do that for uh, employees that may retire. We may ask them to come back on a con a contractual basis. And uh, sometimes we just, uh, we do more of an invoice, uh, but we do anticipate with both Joe and Jeff that it might be a bit of a longer term period. Uh, so we'll try to formalize uh, the contractual relationship uh, with them. All right. So th this is something that might be on this month's agenda, but um, back in March, the, the disbursement of American Rescue Plan funds for It's Your Day and Jamestown Escape products through the Jamestown Local Development Corporation were put on hold. Are those monies still considered on hold right now, or are they? Are they? Is there a plan to disperse them? Yeah, so the, the Jamestown Local Development Corporation uh, did approve those funds. We did hold off on uh, dispersing those pending some, uh, some type of communication uh, from the Treasury Department. Uh, unfortunately, what we found is the Treasury Department has kind of disbanded their help desk, uh, and it's gotten even worse under the new uh, budget bill that was just passed. Uh, but we did have communication with our congressional representative uh, in his office, Nick Langworthy, uh, and confirmed that the uh, use of those funds is appropriate. Uh, and you know, we, we did it in good faith uh, in order to support these businesses using funds that were technically not JLDC's funds. Uh, they're separate federal funds being given for a recovery purpose. Uh, and so those funds have been completed and have been uh, given out and we've gotten the, uh, the permission or the uh, consultation from his office that those are appropriate use of those funds. All right. So we, we talked a lot about housing programs and initiatives here on WRFA and, and with you as well. And we learned uh, last night that a, a U.S. Supreme Court ruling may affect how much the city does regarding future housing projects because of a change or a ruling regarding tax auctions. So this is this is one of those if you, you, you have to. Kind of, I felt like when I was talking about it with Jason uh, this morning that I, we kind of had to sift through the. Well, this is a state. This is a U.S. ruling, and this is how it affects local level. And so, really, what when it comes down to it, do you see this ruling as 
Good news or bad news? Well, it's interesting news. Uh, the the Travis decision, which uh, came out, that said that you really need to, if you have a, an auction, a tax auction, the surplus needs to be dedicated back to uh, the owner of the property. In many communities, you can do that. You just have to bring a lawsuit uh, against the against the municipality doing the auction to get the surplus funds. You can already do that in many communities. Uh, what the the court decision says is that no, no, you have to automatically apply that to the owner. In some cases, we may not be able to find the owner. We may have issues with it. So what they've done is that surplus then after a period of time goes back to the municipality uh, or the entity conducting the auction. So this uh, this causes some concern because in Chautauqua County we have that same type of uh, same type of view, which is well eventually the county will take those surplus funding and they will apply it to whatever to the administration of the auction and, and other things. Uh, in terms of the city itself, the city receives the full value of the taxes. Uh, regardless of how the surplus auction goes. So we give those properties over to the county and the county in exchange pays us the full tax amount. Uh, so what's concerning here is that the many communities have been asked just to pause their, their what's called in-rem auctions, their foreclosure auctions, until the state can figure out how do we bring everyone in compliance with this new uh, federal ruling. And the state actually has several bills currently in uh, the legislature that would bring all counties in compliance uh, or all municipalities in compliance, but it hasn't passed. So <laughs> there's a big question of what are we going to do? Should we conduct the auction? And will the state do anything before they leave for the, the session, the legislative session? Uh, so we discussed at city council the other night. One potential option is the state could provide a temporary moratorium on all in-rem auctions, all foreclosure auctions. Uh, the other potential option would be to pass a law that mirrors what the federal, uh, federal ruling ended up being. Uh, or the third one is you just conduct it and you wait and see. Uh, so we, we're not quite sure as at this point, uh, we're kind of waiting on the county to understand uh, what their process is going to be. But in terms of the city, we've already submitted all those properties for the in-rem auction and uh, we'll, uh, we'll wait to see what the county decides to do. And I think I think that was where some of the concern came from is that when Crystal Zurich was talking about that, they're not going to be pulled. The city's not going to pull any of the properties that it was looking at submitting or is submitting for. I assume it, this must be for whether land bank projects or maybe the 19A program. Maybe I'm wrong about the 19A program, but um, but there's some properties that the city would hold back sometimes in the past. So how does that this ruling potentially affect those programs? I mean, from this sure. point. Yeah. So just to just to give uh, you and your listeners some understanding of it, the city and and we haven't done this in a in a while, but we've become more aggressive in our our overall practices when it comes to foreclosures. So although we turn everything over to uh, the county of uh, folks that have not paid their taxes, and we receive that funding back in our taxes. Uh, the Jamestown Urban Renewal Agency, Jura, has the ability to uh, say, hey, instead of it going up to the in-rem auction, we'll pay the taxes and take that as a development property. And the land bank also has that, that same ability. So they pay the county back the amount of the, the taxes, and instead they, get the, they receive the parcel for development purposes. 
Uh, and so we, as the city, we then take those properties and slate them, as you'd mentioned, uh, within a program for rehabilitation uh, or for potential demolition. Uh, that way we can utilize funds that we already have earmarked to do those and we don't have to then put them on a tax bill and try to collect them and, and those types of things. So we do that as a way to uh, strategically look at neighborhoods and say, okay, well, we know that there's a house that has to come down here or we think there's a house that we can renovate and get back on the tax roll, uh, which is so much better than that property being consistently going back to auction year after year and being passed from person to person with continued code violations in a neighborhood. So with the city not wanting to pull any of these properties right now, then it kind of puts a halt to, uh, I mean, obviously there's still plenty of properties I'm sure yes, that this, that sure. Jura has yep. like that the work on in a land bank as well. But in a sense, it kind of puts a halt to working on future properties until we fi figure out what the state's doing. It does. We just started this uh, this new push to renovate properties and get them back on the back on the on the tax block or, or back on the tax roll. And uh, if we slow down this process, it, it it it's much more difficult. Right now, we're we're forced to figure out what else do we do, and we're we're not quite sure what that might look like. That might be a complicated court proceeding where we create this as a 19A or a zombie property. Um, in those cases, if the home is vacant or not being taken care of, the city can sue to receive title for it. Uh, that's the 19A program. Uh, but the it, it just it just it stymies what we're trying to do, which is really improve neighborhoods along the way. So this weekend is Jamestown Pride Festival, and uh, you issued a proclamation and took part in a pride flag raising ceremony on June 2nd in honor of Pride Month. Uh, nationally, we've seen legislation get passed in numerous states regarding transgender youth and transgender people. New York State has a lot of protections for the LGBTQ plus community. So is there a reason why people in this community should have any concern over what they're seeing in other states? Well, you know, the, the problem is you're only one generation away from change, right? And uh, one election can completely change uh, or overturn some of those protections. Uh, many of the things we have in New York State are codified uh, in terms of protections for our LGBTQ or our queer community. Uh, but the reality is, is that elections have consequences and it could rapidly change. Uh, one of the things that I noted in my speech is that uh, our assembly member and state senator recently passed, or I shouldn't say passed, recently introduced legislation um, that would prevent trans individuals uh, from participating in middle and high school sports. And uh, that's those are the same type of legislation that we're starting to see in many other states uh, that are kind of anti-trans and uh, really homophobic in nature. And we want to just be careful of that, right? It's important. And we have to recognize that uh, elections matter and the ability to uh, who you get to choose to represent you matters. And as, as places across this country uh, start to strip, or, strip away rights, uh, we've got to understand why. And that's because we need to be the ones to make that change. Uh, so there is some concern, obviously, and not so much right this moment. New York State has a lot of really great protections uh, for members of the LGBT community, uh, but you, you, that can only go so far sometimes. And we've seen that uh, you know simple legislation that gets passed in some of these states uh, have completely changed the way uh, an entire community can feel. Mm -hmm. What? Why is pride important? 
Yeah, so uh, pride is really important because it gives us visibility as a community, a community of which I'm part of. It gives a visibility to help people understand, right? You know, pride, a lot of people think pride is about, you know, rainbow colors and showing yourself off, but no, it's really about acceptance. It's about telling the world, like, here, here's who I am, and I'm not asking you to be okay with it. I'm not asking you to say anything about it. I'm just saying I'm here, and that's the end of it, right? And I, and I want you, and we want everyone to recognize that our community exists, that there is a community that exists that gets recognized. Um, it's no different than we recognize uh, various other communities uh, within our one large community. Um, but pride's important because it, it brings about an understanding and it is an opportunity for people to better understand what happens in the LGBTQ community. Uh, as someone you grew up here in, in Jamestown, um, what is what do you have you seen has changed in this area uh, in terms of, you know, either the queer community? Uh, we, we know the legislation has been passed, but what have you seen locally in terms of how the community is supported or not supported? Well, what's been interesting is, uh, you know, we didn't have pride. <laughs> we, we didn't have uh, any type of flag raising. We, we haven't done that, right? That is a recent, uh, recent thing within the last couple of years. Uh, and in fact, since I've taken office as, as mayor, and I've seen a community that has grown tremendously here. Uh, I've seen an increase in our uh, trans population uh, because people feel supported here, that there is an opportunity uh, to be yourself here. And I've seen an increase in people moving into the city that are part of the LGBTQ community, uh, that are choosing to make Jamestown their home because um, they do feel like this is an inclusive place. So I think what we're doing is right as a city, and I feel like as a community, um, we are working towards being better, right? Because I think that's at the end of the day, that's what a community is. It's just we're, we're a bunch of different people that have a lot of different views, and we're just trying to be better and try to understand each other's views. Uh, so to me, to see that happen, having grown up here and now only in the most recent years start to see more acceptance of that community is a really incredible thing and, and honestly quite heartfelt and touching as mayor to see. We are at the beginning of June, which I think if, if people take a moment to breathe, and look at the calendar. <laughs> they might... Don't look at my calendar. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a moment looking at the upcoming events. What do you got to tell people when it comes oh, to gosh. upcoming summer events here in Jamestown? I, I can't tell you the number of events that we have going on here in the city of Jamestown. You know, I just I heard the other day I was talking to some of the local hotels and they were telling me that August is almost completely booked. Uh, and I was I was shocked to see between the comedy festival and we've got other national groups coming into Jamestown uh, this year. It is a really incredible thing. You got Comedy Center, Babe Ruth. Um, we've got the uh, the Appalachian Regional Commission is bringing all of their alumni here. That is an incredible incredible time uh, to be in Jamestown this summer, and we're very excited about it. But I will tell you, I do not have a weekend free. I think between now and Labor Day. Uh, so it is uh, really incredible. There is so much for families. There is so much for just individuals. We've got things going in our parks. We've got things going on on our streets. Uh, we've got parades. We've got festivals. Uh, you name it. Uh, the city is the place to be this summer. And we're just, we're more than thrilled uh, to have all of those things going on. 
Yeah, I, I need to keep a calendar just for my weekends right now. So, but uh, Mayor Sunquist, is there anything else that you want to share with us for this month? Uh, just as we as we start into the summer months, I just I hope that all of our residents uh, stay safe uh, and uh, continue uh, to enjoy their time, enjoy their summer, uh, and to uh, you know just enjoy enjoy the outdoors, enjoy what you have. All right. Well, Mayor Sunquist, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Julia.